You're listening to the Niners Bros, your home for post-game analysis, correcting media narratives, and keeping you up to date on all things San Francisco 49ers. What's up, guys? I'm Michael Ditchfield. And I'm David Ditchfield, and we are the Niners Bros. On this week's episode, we recap the 49ers' victory over the Rams, putting them at 2-0 and despite the schedule makers putting us on the road for the first two weeks of the season. So good to get off to a hot start. That was something that had been such a point of emphasis for Shanahan coming into this season. And headed back home on a short week, the 49ers do play the Giants this week on Thursday Night Football. Always nice on a short week like that when you can stay local. Sure thing. Well, before we break down the 49ers game, just a quick tour around the NFL. The Eagles survived the Vikings in a second straight sort of unimpressive victory after barely beating the Patriots in week one. Uh, The Broncos (laughs) start the Sean Payton era 0-2 after losing to Washington. Uh, The Raiders got crushed uh, (laughs) by the Bills. Um, The Cowboys won 30-10 over the Jets. The Jets have a problem. I know Salo said very nice things about this is Zach's team. I think Kyle Orton could probably come off of his couch and play better than they they've got to do something they have drafted in the last couple of years last year specifically as good as any team in the nfl just phenomenal drafts they've got a really great defense a bunch of offensive weapons and once again they are left with nobody to steer the ship yeah just horrible also of note the bengals vikings and chargers all lost to move to zero and two which used to be the death knell for a playoff berth but i know we were talking about this with a 17 game season the season is extended a little bit but still not the start that those teams were hoping for and the chargers especially boy talk about some hard losses um, <laughs> I, I read a stat that uh, the chargers have scored 58 points they have no turnovers and they're zero and two so apparently that's happened 32 other times in the history of the nfl and the chargers are the only ones that have not won either of those games so their head coach, Staley, was in some kind of a mood <laughs> after the game in his press conference uh, talking about how there's a lot of pride in the locker room and basically nobody is in a good mood there. Um, they're playing really well, but again, starting 0-2 is not not how you want to start. One other notable thing was that for the second consecutive Monday night football, the game was kind of rocked by a really horrible injury. Of course, last week, Aaron Rodgers tore his Achilles and this week, a gruesome injury for Nick Chubb, the Brown star running back that just Minka Fitzpatrick went low. Some people are saying it's dirty. It's like, well, what do you, what do you want to do? They go high and it's a penalty. You go low and you're blowing out someone's knee. It's, it's hard to tackle people, but yeah, just horrible to see, you know, you wish him the best and you hope that he'll be able to play next year, but just a horrible, horrible injury. Yeah, and kind of of note, the Steelers, of course, were uh, part of that game as well. And the Steelers actually bucked a trend uh, going back last year. I don't know if you guys remember, but uh, teams that faced the 49ers were 0-15 in the following week um, after after facing the 49ers. And the Steelers actually did somehow <laughs> grind out a win with an unbelievable defensive uh, and special teams performance. Their offense looked pretty terrible again, um, but they were able to, to pull out a win. And we talk about this all the time as well, how you can't say, well, oh, well, this team beat that team, so that means that our team is better than this team. Yeah. You can't really do that. But, you know, the Browns beat the Bengals, and then they lost to the Steelers, who we embarrassed in week one. So if you want to play that game, I think if you just extrapolate and look at the numbers, I believe... The 49ers have assembled the greatest 
bunch of professional football players in the history of mankind. I'm pretty sure that's what it means. You don't think it's a little early for that? Uh, well, anyway, enough about the other teams who, who are not the greatest in the history of the NFL. Uh, let's talk about this week two matchup with the Rams. Coming into it, there were some interesting storylines we were keeping an eye on. Uh, for the Rams, they had some drama, some some kind of weird things. Stetson Bennett, their rookie quarterback, you know, 20, 25, 26-year-old rookie. rookie, whatever he is, sort of away from the team for undisclosed reasons. You know, it, it sounds like it may be, you know, an off-the-field sort of, you know, kind of issue. So, Good for the media for not finding out what that is and tattling on him. Certainly we wish him the best, but but it was a bit of a distraction for them. And then Cam Akers, too, their starting running back, who's found himself in the doghouse almost like Dante Pettis did with Shanahan multiple times. He was inactive for this game and, and seemed to be wondering why aloud on social media. Now we know why he's been traded to the Vikings. Yeah, and it's weird. He's a talented back, but... Uh, McVeigh was actually asked about this this week. Is this the same thing that essentially had him in the doghouse last year? And he said, no, it was something else, um, which I guess I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. <laughs> Is it? Good? I guess if you want to look at the positives, well, whatever that other issue was, it's not happening anymore. But now you have another guy who I don't know if he's just terrible in the locker room or you know off the field issues. I'm really not sure what it is because, again, he is a talented player, but just has not been able to uh, stay in good graces and, and get himself on the field. Just a, a really odd situation. Yeah. Other things we were keeping an eye on, of course, you always want to see how the 49ers are going to handle Aaron Donald, especially without um, <laughs> what Brunskill, right? Is <laughs> like his kryptonite. Brunskill yeah. no longer a part of the team. But we were curious to, to see, you know, just how that would go and, and what the Rams would like look like in general you know they won in week one in surprising fashion beating seattle by 17 in seattle yeah so, they smacked them down it, it was not a close game at all and the 49ers you had to wonder too when the the streak was going to end i mean we had won eight straight in the regular season against the rams the longer that streak goes the more likely it is to to fall it's just it's hard to beat any team you know 10 11 12 13 times in a row but um for the 49ers other storylines we were watching you know trying to see if purdy would continue that streak of never losing a regular season game as a starter um another one we had mentioned was the slot position so we had mentioned how sam womack samuel womack is a feisty player that we like he's a, a really big special teams contributor uh and after the struggles with Lenore and Oliver uh, really struggled in the preseason as well, we were wondering if maybe Womack was going to get a chance to plug in and play there. But unfortunately, he did get injured uh, this week and was put on the short-term IR. So he's going to miss at least four games. I'm hearing it could be closer to eight, so they'll kind of have to address and see after that four-week period if they want to put him back on the you know, I don't know if he'll go on the pup or the active roster or what they're going to do with him, but uh, hopefully he'll recover quickly and get back to making contributions. Yep. 49ers were also coming into this game hoping to keep a, an unusual streak alive. They had had a pick six against the Rams four years in a row, which is just highly unusual. But um, all of that added up to a really interesting game that you, you really wanted to see the 49ers take. Also, you know, the Rams stadium is now affectionately called Levi's South. Uh, it was nice to see that sea of red. Those 49ers fans travel better, it seems, than any other team in the NFL. I will say visually, like you mentioned, that sea of red, it's it's unmistakable as the camera sort of pans around the stadium. I will say the LA fans did a much better job of actually being involved and being vocal in this game than we've seen 
at times in the past. There's allegations of them pumping in noise. Which, that is true. Which have been <laughs> unsubstantiated, but but we'll see what happens. But um, as far as the the game flow, this was a a game that really did not did not sort of feel very comfortable. No, <laughs> to say the least. In the first half, um, the Rams only had three possessions in the first half, but it, they put together two touchdowns and a field goal with an eleven play drive, an eight play drive, and a thirteen play drive. It seemed like we were just determined to play soft, and Stafford was totally content to take what we were getting. Yeah, they kind of forty ers us with those uh, effortless, you know, eight to ten play drives where you eat up a bunch of clock, you just move the ball at will, and you end with points. Yeah, 49ers, fortunately, were able to match them. We got the ball first and, and scored in three of our four possessions uh, with two touchdowns and a field goal. I think the most notable thing about that is just that Shanahan finally showed some aggression, you know, coming down right before halftime. The 49ers get down, and you know, by the goal line and with time left for one play instead of kicking a field goal um, from the one-yard line, Shanahan calls for the QB sneak and Purdy gets in um, and you go into half tied at 17 which was huge knowing that you know turning right back around you'd have to give the Rams the ball back to start the second half yeah I love that call and even if they got stuffed I still love that call we have one of the best offensive teams in football and when you're less than half a yard away from the goal line and you have a chance to tie the game there you absolutely take it it's the right call 100% of the time Again, even you're not going to score every time, obviously, but that's a very high percentage play. It's the right call and really great to see Shanahan being aggressive there. In a little bit, we're going to give you five keys to victory for the 49ers and why they won this game. But I do want to highlight two plays from the first half that were sort of impactful or, or made an impression on me. The first was Drake Jackson had a touchdown saving play um, on a on a, a fourth and one sort of tackle where it was it was the screen and, and he went diving out if, if he had not made that tackle on that running back he was home free and, and good to see Drake Jackson not just pursuing the quarterback but hustling out to, to make it a huge play yeah the numbers were absolutely there <laughs> there was like maybe one or two 49ers defenders and they had probably four blockers lined up it was the perfect play call and that close uh, to getting in the end zone uh, Drake Jackson did also have one of his uh, patented uh past deflections or tipped balls at the line of scrimmage as well so great to see him making such a huge impact we weren't really sure you always hear you know player x has lost 10 pounds and looks amazing you know player y has gained 10 pounds and looks amazing yeah you always hear these stories coming out of preseason shape of their life exactly (laughs) yeah these these little canned stories that you always hear and there's you know it doesn't make any difference but in this case drake jackson actually does look better physically he looks stronger he looks faster and he is making an impact so that's really great to see yep it was a little scary seeing Brandon Ayuk shaken up uh, throughout this game it sounds like it's a shoulder thing the clavicle's not broken but that was a little disconcerting that he was coming in and out of the game but I mentioned uh, another play I mentioned two plays that really stood out to me in the first half Christian McCaffrey having a 51 yard run and then smack talking Akella Witherspoon after stiff arming him to the ground as a Niners fan who just lived through Akella Weatherspoon being completely unable to find the ball. It's like when the ball got close, he was always close to the receiver. It wasn't like he was getting burned all the time, but it was like he had a blindfold on when the ball came within like a five yard range. And was terrible in press coverage, just no physicality, no aggression at all. So it was really weird to even see him jawing at McCaffrey in that situation. I guess he didn't really like getting stiff armed, but yeah, he showed way more fight verbally than he ever did physically on the field for us. And, I'm not a great lip reader. Uh, it's especially difficult, you know, when the players have the mouth guard in. 
But I will say I, I very clearly understood what McCaffrey said as he was walking away. And because this is a uh, family-friendly podcast, I'll, I'll kind of paraphrase it for you. But he definitely called him a weak asterisk Bitcoin as he was departing. <laughs> so just just nice to see uh, Keller Weatherspoon, you know, just just kind of disappointing a different franchise. <laughs> yeah, it's nice, right? Uh, so they went into the halftime, tied at 17. Uh, from there, you know, we'll talk about this, but some major adjustments were made by the 49ers, and it really showed. Uh, the Rams come out of the second half, and they have their first punt of the game. And then after that, they go interception, punt, field goal, interception, whereas the 49ers in the second half were still able to put down a field goal, a touchdown, and another field goal drive and that was really the difference in the game was that the 49ers were able to finally get some stops um, and, and keep scoring even if not at a at a lightning pace uh, enough to put up 30 points in a game and yeah the 49ers essentially were just not getting any pressure in the first half and a huge part of that was of course the game plan uh, Stafford was getting the ball out very quickly which was of course by design so we're sitting there, fans on the couch, going, where are all of these Steve Wilkes blitzes we've been hearing about? This would certainly be an excellent time. Uh, didn't happen in the first half, but they basically doubled their blitz rate in the second half, and it felt like they were blitzing on pretty much every passing down there was. So that was really good to see. And once the defense did make that schematic adjustment, as you mentioned, the Rams offense really struggled. Stafford did throw two interceptions. One of them was not his fault at all. It just went, it bounced right off the running back's hands. Yeah. And on that play, Isaiah Oliver actually stepped up and made an unbelievable grab as the ball is kind of bouncing up in the air behind him. He has almost a full torso rotation and kind of plucks the ball uh, out of the air with one hand and made a phenomenal catch. Um, Oliver is one of those players that we had talked about as really, again, struggling through the preseason, losing his job essentially in week one. And then because of the Womack injury and some of these other injuries in the secondary, he was kind of thrust into action and he really stepped up in this game. Yeah, I would say if the first key for winning this game was the halftime adjustments from Wilkes, I would say that the second was just improved performance from some of these players who had a very bad game. Um, in week one. So Oliver, of course, with the interception, but that wasn't all he did. He had a really great tackle out near the boundary to, to stop the Rams from picking up a first down. He also on a fourth down when they tried to, you know, the, the Rams were behind at that point, but still that it kind of sealed the game where Oliver shot the gap, you know, got to the running back. Bosa was there too, but yeah, between the two of them, they stopped him on fourth down, just a huge momentum play. And he wasn't the only one who stepped up. Uh, Diamador Lenore had a bit of a rough week one. And even though he graded poorly in this game because of all the off coverage, he had a, a fantastic interception where he ran the route for the receiver, got his head around, caught the ball. Um, also, Javon Kinlaw finally looked good in, in a game, you know, consistently, not just one or two reps, but he was moving the pocket and getting good pressure. And then the right side of the O-line, the much maligned right side of the O-line, you know, McKivitz gave up multiple sacks last week and Burford had three penalties. Well, this week they, they held up pretty well. And even if PFF wasn't kind to Burford in his grading, you know, Brock Purdy was sacked once for zero yards, essentially, as he got back to the line of scrimmage. But he, he had a clean pocket to throw pretty much the entire game. Great to see that improvement from the right side. Yeah, and the 49ers have had as much success against Aaron Donald as any team has and anyone possibly could. You mentioned Brunskill earlier. For anybody who's not aware, Brunskill is kind of an average to, you know, okay uh, interior rotational um, guy. 
But for whatever reason, he just has Aaron Donald's number, and Aaron Donald has had no success against that guy. He's not on the team anymore. So as you mentioned, well, what's the plan now? The plan was pretty clear. It was double Aaron Donald and make somebody else beat you. And they were not able to do that. Uh, Donald was doubled, I think, something like 55% of the game yep. and really just made no impact. I mean, how how often did you hear his name on the broadcast? Just yeah. Hardly at all. That's true. The 49ers, they didn't keep their streak alive of getting pick sixes, but as we mentioned from those two players, they did get two interceptions, and they didn't turn the ball over. And winning that turnover margin was something that Shanahan specifically mentioned in the post-game sort of locker room kind of speech, just winning the turnover margin. So that that's a, our sort of third key or the third thing that stood out as far as why they won. I think you have to look at Jake Moody, again, putting up a, another great performance as sort of like a fourth key. You know, he made a 57-yard field goal in this game that Robbie Gold would never have been sent out for. Nope. You know, so so huge from him to, once again, he did have one bad kick out of bounds. <laughs> You know, that was just kind of weird. I've yeah, never seen what happened on that? That That, that is honestly shank. the worst. It, it was literally like a shank. Uh, it, it, that ball landed like eight or ten yards out of bounds. Usually it lands at least in the field of play and usually bounces out. That one never had a chance. It looked like one of those punts where you watch the down lineman and he starts running up the field and you're like, oh, no, how far out of bounds did that go? I've, <laughs> it kind of felt like, you know, when you – kick it out of bounds they start at the 40 I mean I, I don't feel like it was that much on the other side of the 40 it was a really awful awful kick but good to see him bounce back and he didn't miss any uh, of the ones that count for points yep a final key for the 49ers victory was that they despite the Rams efficiency in the first half averaged almost two yards per play more than they did due to just really smart coaching from Shanahan to get his playmakers involved I think he knows that the Rams tend to be a finesse team like Akella Weatherspoon is a, a perfect player for for the finesse style that they like to play and I think he just knew that this is a good team to feature Debo against as usual Debo's had so many great games against the Rams um, he had five carries in this game he had a touchdown um, McCaffrey too was phenomenal again just just amazing so I think that efficiency from the 49ers made a huge difference it was nice to see Jennings get involved too with a couple catches yeah so some sort of team stats or, or unusual things the 49ers actually lost the time of possession battle which is exceptionally rare for them uh, 49ers actually had the ball for only 26 minutes to 33 for the Rams uh, penalties were an issue again this week Dre Greenlaw is a phenomenal football player, but my goodness, he just gets called for some of the dumbest penalties, those roughing penalties. Yeah. In this case, the Rams were already inside the red zone, so it, it wasn't a huge yardage penalty, but ordinarily would have been 15. The Fox broadcast did a wonderful job of talking about that for two minutes and somehow never actually showing the foul. So we never really got to see it. It looked like it was just kind of an after the play. He was like punching the ball out or just doing something stupid. Seemed like a really weak flag uh, to throw there. There was also another really weird flag in this game that, you know, you don't see in the box score, but there was a, <laughs> a weird hold called on Charverius uh, Mooney Ward and then the refs said, after we've talked about it, it's not holding because Stafford was not in the pocket. And then they showed the replay. He was like dead center <laughs> in, the in the middle of the pocket. And it's like, what are they, what is going on? The only thing I could think of was that that was a makeup call for that terrible uh, Greenlaw flag because that was one of the strangest 
overturn penalties. How often do you see the refs overturn their own calls like that? And then when you look at the review, it's just completely bogus. That was very yeah. strange. Maybe they were just kind of like looking up at the <laughs> at the jumbotron, <laughs> like lost their focus, and they were like, "Oh shoot, who's who's got this one?" Somebody yeah. tell me you were watching that. Yeah, pretty but, weird, but. Yeah, again, penalties were a bit of an issue, not as not quite as bad as last week, 6 for 57. The Rams were penalized 6 times for 55, so pretty even there. Uh, the 49ers were actually outgained offensively. The Rams had 386 total yards to 365 for the Niners, but of course the 49ers uh, made it count. They were up ultimately by 10 right until the end of the game. Talk about that, kind of a weird situation as well, but uh, Brock Purdy definitely have to talk about Purdy. Um, This was his worst game, I would say, as a pro, for sure. Um, He was routinely behind receivers, um, behind Debo, behind Jennings, and he pretty famously had three really, really bad overthrows. Yeah, the first one, you know, you had a double move to Brandon Ayuk where he just completely cooked the corner and Purdy missed him, and then you had... That was uh, Witherspoon, by the way. Yeah, and then you had... (laughs) Thank you for that. And then you had, I I believe it was the third down to Jennings on sort of like a a, a deeper sort of, you know, in-breaking route where, again, just kind of an overthrow. And then the most heartbreaking of all was Debo, who almost never gets to run like a traditional go route or like a wide receivery type route. He's he's usually confined to these screens and, and slants and things like that, but he had Debo just wide wide open and he'd already overthrown two and Purdy looked like he put a little like, like the throw was effortful and as soon as it left his hand you know you you were there with me I said I said don't overthrow it don't overthrow it don't overthrow it and sure enough it lands like six yards past him it was a really awful throw and that one makes you sick too because there are so many different places he was wide wide open and like you mentioned you just don't see Debo running straight past defenders his 50, 60, 70 yard touchdowns are short passes that he takes the rest of the way. It would have been amazing to see him actually catch a ball 40, 50 yards downfield. He just That's just not something that he does. He's not really called on for those routes. Um, but this throw, Purdy could have thrown a line drive and led him down the middle of the field. He could have lofted it straight down the seam. There are just so many different ways to complete that pass when the receiver is wide open. And he did the one thing you basically can't do, which was he threw a line drive and airmailed it over his back shoulder, running the wrong way. Um, so that was that was really tough to see. Uh, Purdy did snap a couple of other streaks in this game. Uh, he had a two-touchdown streak that was snapped. He also had a, a quarterback rating streak of 95-plus that was snapped. He finished with a 93.1 rating and had uh, zero touchdowns in this. There was technically like a swing pass to Debo that in reality is a pass, but because the ball went backwards, it counts as a run. So Debo actually did finish with a rushing touchdown in this one. So at the end of the day, no passing touchdowns for Purdy, 206 yards. Uh, but most importantly, no turnovers in the worst game of his career. Yeah, I think the bad news is that the 49ers still don't have a quarterback who consistently hits deep shots. The good news is that we have a quarterback who can play a lousy game where he is off target throughout and still score 30 points against a solid defense. Yeah. You know, 
So, yeah, we're not going to break down Purdy too much. I think it's going to be exhausting to hear everyone week by week kind of debating, is he the guy, is he not the guy? He's our quarterback. And to, until he's hurt, he is our quarterback. He, he's he got, you know, a, around 10 career starts under his belt, you know, as far as regular season. Let's let's let the season play out a little bit and not overreact. You know, and Shanahan was great in the press conference, too, about making a note of he's, he admitted that the Ayuk, yeah, that was a miss. That was a shot that they called for him and he missed. But the two others that were overthrows, apparently those guys were, you know, third or fourth in the progression and he wasn't dialing up those shots and then Brock missed them. But that was just part of the play. So who knows? Maybe that's one that anytime they'd run it in practice, the initial read was open and he hadn't really timed that or practiced that with those guys. So I, I'm not going to, we're not going to overanalyze it to death. You know, he didn't have his best game, but the 49ers scored 30 points. He was efficient. He's still in the top five in the league in efficiency, you know? Yeah. And he has still never lost a game. So if you're yep. keeping score at home, that's a, a pretty easy thing to track. He's still never lost. So Tom Brady, of course, the goat, won about 75% of his games, which is just ridiculous when you think about it. But what that also means is that he lost 25% of his games. So one in every four games, even Tom Brady is losing. Brock Purdy is going to lose a game. The 49ers are going to lose a game at some point. Yeah, that streak is going to end, unless you really think the 49ers are going to become the first perfect team in the the NFL since the you know, since the Dolphins in 72. So it seems like people just kind of can't make up their minds. It's like they either want to anoint him as this Mr. Irrelevant, look what he's doing, or the other side are these people that are like, oh, you know, what what is he doing? He's, he's not a quarterback. He's got no arm. He's not going anywhere in this league. It's all Shanahan. It's like, where are the reasonable takes? Where <laughs> are the people with eyeballs and common sense? That's what yeah. I would like to know. Yeah. We'll wait and see. I'm certainly glad that he's our quarterback at less than a million dollars a year, as opposed to some of these guys like, let's say, I don't know, Deshaun Watson, who who just looks horrible or some of these others. So it'll be interesting to see how he develops this year. As we said, a great win for the 49ers moving to 2-0, despite the initial road slate and home to face the Giants on Thursday, you know. One thing I think we'd be remiss if we didn't mention is the uh, rookie phenom for the Rams, Puka Nakua, in this game. Uh, sure. For one thing, it's fun to say, uh, but more importantly, he was the number one fantasy pickup um, after week one because he just exploded onto the scene, kind of replacing Cooper Cup in terms of that uh, PPR magnet. But a lot of times, you know, you'll see somebody sort of a flash in the pan in week one. You pick them up, you plug them into your starting roster, and then they're inactive or, yeah. you know, they get two catches for 19 yards, something like that. But uh, Puka Nakua really uh, seems to be the real deal. He had 15 catches in this one for 147 yards, just kind of looked unstoppable. So if the Rams can ever actually get Cooper Cup back, and have those two on the field at the same time, they are going to give defenses um, some some problems. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. In the meantime, we're gearing up for a game against the Giants, who got some bad news, too, with Saquon Barkley. They came storming back in a game that they were down, was it 28-7 to against the, the, the tanking errors? Like, how do you get down three touchdowns to to a team that's yeah that was for, unbelievable for I was Williams, I was kind of following along with the score in that one because I knew we were playing the Giants this week and I thought okay well maybe we're gonna beat them 40 to nothing just like Dallas did sure but yeah with uh like roughly three and a half minutes to go in the third quarter the Giants were down seven to 28 against the Cardinals who as we mentioned are clearly and non-secretively just tanking on purpose and the Giants, again, down 7-28. to They did come roaring all the way back. 
to to beat the Cardinals 31 to 28. So they are certainly going to be uh, riding a momentum high for sure, but they do have to travel all the way over to the West Coast, and they definitely have been a little banged up as well, in addition to Saquon Barkley. Yeah, Barkley with that ankle injury, um, he's been ruled out. And then perhaps even more significant, they're going to be missing their left tackle and their right tackle, Andrew Thomas, one of the better offensive linemen in the league, but also uh, Ben Bredesen out with a concussion. So having the left side of your offensive line out for any game is going to be difficult, but especially you, you don't want that happening during Niners week. So (laughs) yeah. And uh, Danny dimes, as they call him, they know that the 49ers pressure is going to get there. He mentioned specifically that they have a plan for that, that that's something that they have to game plan for. But as of last year, uh, Daniel Jones did hold on to the ball over three seconds per drop back which was in the bottom five in terms of quickest release times. So if he does hold on to the ball, 49ers are going to get home with a Bosa who is continuing to get into game shape. Bosa didn't show up on the stats very much in this game, but he looked a lot more like himself, even though he was getting doubled. His pressure rate and win rate were very high. It was just that Stafford was getting the ball out so quickly. There were there were yeah. really hardly any opportunities for sacks. And he still sacks. drew two two penalties, which a ten yard holding penalty it's not a death knell for every offense, but but for for most offenses, it's that, going to end most drives. Yeah, it's, a, it's a drive killer. So I, I think he admitted that he's still getting into game shape, and I think he looked better as the game went on, which is encouraging. And I think a really big key for the 49ers is if they can get pressure with four, especially against these backups of the Giants, unlike this Rams game where they they couldn't and they had to blitz. If they can get pressure with four, it will be nice to be able to use Fred Warner as a bit of a spy because Daniel Jones is running a lot. That's one of the only things they have going for him. And historically, we do not do great against running quarterbacks. So it'll be very interesting to see how Wilkes uh, deals with running quarterbacks his first time. As you mentioned, that is basically the Achilles heel, if you will. Hopefully nobody actually injures their Achilles for the Giants or the 49ers, but definitely a, a weakness, if you will. Um, is that running quarterback so it'll be uh it'll be fun I think uh I'm I don't want to talk out of turn here but I'm expecting a 49ers victory yeah uh the Giants even though they did have an amazing comeback against a crappy Cardinals team they have not looked good the 49ers have looked good. They've taken care of business and they are coming home for the first time this year. Yeah, I think you were right when you talked about, you know, not always things transferring the way you expect them to, but if they're going to give up 28 points to an Arizona team that fast, it's hard to imagine the 49ers don't hang 30 and it's hard to see them without Saquon Barkley putting up 30 on us. So, we'll be watching either way and uh, we'll be interesting to see too if Brandon Ayuk suits up for the game, but we're excited. Thursday night football leaves your Sunday wide open to a uh, watch red zone or do those chores your wife has been politely or or, or watch red zone or, yeah or, or just or just yeah. watch red zone again but either way we'll be here to break it down for you once again we are the niners bros feel free to check us out on apple Podcasts, spotify or wherever you get your podcasts and check us out on twitter as well we'll see you next week